0: I've always been a fan of ska, and really my first introduction to it was driving in the car and hearing a song called Superfly, and that grabbed me forever. That's how I can blame the OC Supertones for my joy of ska. Mojo of the OC Supertones also shared his views on what success really is back in the late winter of 2012. How do you measure success as a band? Obviously, the Supertones were successful, you know, in regards to mm-hmm. the number of albums, the record sales, the, the fan base. But how do you measure success as a band?
1: I think that there's a number of, of different ways. Like you said, you know, you want to make good music, first of all. You want it to be appreciated. Whenever you're doing music, you know, that's some sort of the measure of success. But you also want to remain honoring to God. That was always very important to us. I don't, I don't know that we always did it. It's easy not to be. And also, I think there's a sense of interpersonal success, you know, your relationships in the band. You know, there's lots of ministries out there and and other things that people consider successful, but they're not on good terms with each other. And so that is, in a large way, a failure. If what you're talking about is life together and reconciliation in Christ and all these other things, if it's not true of your group of people that you can't even get along, then that's a failure as well. So I think all three of those are crucial.
2: Check, check, check Turn the track up A little louder now Alright, come on Coming to you straight from LP number 5 This is the Super Toes. This is the Super Toes. Everybody please report Please report to your
0: You had your speakers turned up really, really loud for that song. Yeah, the O.C. Supertones was super fly. We're going to change musical tactics all over again, head into a whole different style as we listen into an interview that we had with Photoside Cafe's Naf Marshall, who I found shared a lot of the same opinions of music as me during this talk, and then you get to enjoy their string-driven alt-rock on the song Don't Care.
3: I think our job as we go into the new album is to do photo side as pure as we
0: can. Doing it in the purity of the artistic sense, or how do you remain commercially viable too? That's the other question. That's
3: a question that we've all asked ourselves and honestly battled. You come to a point as a band, especially in the Christian market, if I'm going to make a go of this, I need to actually sell out a little bit, because there's no way I'm going to make it anywhere if I don't. I think that we've played around with that a little bit within our, within our arrangements, specifically dealing with like time frame within songs. But when it's all said and done, honestly, I just don't see how we can commercialize our, our sound. I think we've all gotten to the point where we're just saying, you know what? We're just going to do what Photosight is. And, and why even beat around the bush? Why try and mold this thing into something that it's not? Just let it live, let it be its thing and, and let it, let it just be. <laughs>
0: so you're not going to sell your soul to the company store.
3: <laughs> show, show me a company and then, and then let's talk. I just want to be honest. I want my honesty to come through my songs. Like, what am I dealing with in this stage of life? What am I dealing with in the next stage? You know, that stuff. Without sugarcoating it. And that's what I feel like CCM music does too much. That's aside from the actual musical side of things. I'm talking about lyrics and, and content. That's something that I don't want to conform to.
0: <laughs> I was going to be really mean and ask if there was lyrical content in CCM. <laughs> That's an excellent question.
3: <laughs> I think it's few and far between. And I think that the artists that do have actual content are the ones that aren't acknowledged. And it's sad. And they're honestly the ones that don't care about being acknowledged either, you know? It's a vicious cycle and it's frustrating.
2: Yeah, but we'll
0: The Antidote is here with the hard rock band Project 86. Andrew Schwab, lead vocalist, brilliant lyricist, author, journalist is here, and he's going to share his thoughts on music that the band's now producing. Andrew, tell us about the new album. A lot of the promo material actually said you guys are returning to your roots, but that really doesn't seem to be the musical sense.
4: When we say returning to roots, it's, it's more uh, in the sense that the influence For this record was in confronting a lot of the, uh, at least for me personally, a lot of the the things that were handed down in my life from my heritage. So I did a a piece of detective work and looking back into my history and where my family comes from in Ireland. And uh, there's one of the themes on the album is the generational curses and how we have to break those in our lives when we come to know Jesus to experience healing. So that's what major theme on the record. Uh, From a musical standpoint, Uh, Definitely some new territory this time around, and uh, it was so exciting to work with all of our friends in the studio, all of my friends, everyone from Brian Head Welch to Bruce Fitzhugh from Living Sacrifice to Blake Martin from A Plea for Purging, Andrew Welch from Disciple. Just had uh, basically a a hip-hop record's worth of guest appearances on this thing. And we were able to incorporate some new instrumentation on this record, some Celtic instrumentation, uh Ilium pipe and hammered dulcimer, and a little bit of mandolin, um, just to give it that sort of epic braveheart quality uh that I wanted to go for this time around.
0: of Easter Rising from my favorite band, Project 86. And I know you shouldn't play favorites on air, but I don't care. Project 86 is just tops out. Now we're going to head back to the early roots of Christian rock with a veteran performer and my first interviewee, Randy Stonehill, along with a track he recorded back in 1971, King of Hearts. Randy Stonehill is known as one of the fathers of Christian rock music, and Randy's uh, been kind enough to take some time and join the antidote and share his thoughts on Christian rock music and how it's moved from its infancy to uh, today's era. So Randy, your first album, Born Twice, it debuted in 1971. What kind of reception did the album receive and Christian rock in general back in 71?
5: Well, you know, Dave, it certainly received um, a mixture of responses because um, that whole approach to sharing the gospel was so fresh and new i think in truth though the record that that really put me on the map was one called welcome to paradise uh and that came out in 1976 i know that um that's the album that's actually thought of as as one of the seminal works of the genre along with uh larry norman's uh, only visiting this planet and i think amy grant's age to age um but so it was really interesting to, like I said, to see the response to the music. You had, it was, there was a great polarization. Um, you had, I think, some of the perhaps more cautious old school thinkers looking at rock and roll and thinking, oh, no good thing can come of this, you know. And uh, But, you know, for guys like me, uh, for whom that music was such a powerful voice in my own life... I was just doing what came naturally. I was going, well, I was thinking, well, this Jesus came crashing into my life. This is nothing less than miraculous, and I want to share it with the tools I've been given. So I just was kind of guileless and and, uh, doing what I thought I should do. And then I found that my generation, kids that would never think to darken the doors of a church, we didn't even know what that was about, they were hearing the timeless message of the gospel in their own language and so like i said there was a vast polarization we had a lot of raised eyebrows a lot of doors slammed in my face and then we had the exciting thing was this sense of that god was at work and we had we had you know this whole new generation hearing the gospel uh, in a way that was accessible
0: with Steve Taylor, who's been a major part of Christian music for over 30 years. Steve's often been considered a controversial figure to traditional churches due to his accurate criticisms of the organized church. Do you consider yourself, Steve, to be a a rebel with a cause?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, you know... I think Bono put it more succinctly, but the easiest thing in the world now is to kind of follow the well-worn path of being a rock and roll rebel, you know, by not following that path, it's probably a little more unique in this day and age. I wasn't a particularly rebellious kid. I liked my parents and um, grew up in a good home. I heard this this band, The Clash, when I was in college, and uh, I was so inspired that decided I want to do what they do, and their music was sort of protest music and... So that's uh, primarily what I've written is protest
0: music. So that was the original uh, intention as a solo artist in the 80s and early 90s?
1: Yeah, I just I just felt like particularly within the church, there was so much hypocrisy. You know, we didn't want to talk about it, but the outside world saw it very clearly. I ended up writing a lot about, you know, hypocrisy within the church and outside the church. And uh, that was what kind of fueled everything.
0: i have gone through so
1: much other stuff That walking down the aisle was tough But now I know it's not enough I want to be a clone I asked the Lord into my heart They said that was the way to start But now you've got to play the part I want to be a clone Be a clone, kiss conviction, good night Cloneliness is next to godliness, right? I'm grateful that they showed a way Cause I could never know the way to serve him on my own I want to be a clone They told me that I'd fall away Unless I followed what they say He needs the Bible anyway I want to be a clone their language, it was new to me But Christian needs got through to me Now I can speak it fluently I want to be a clone Be a clone and kiss conviction goodnight Cloneliness is next to godliness I'm grateful that they showed the way Cause I could never know the way To serve him on my own (laughs) If you want to be one of his, gotta act like one of us Be a clone and kids conviction, good night. Loneliness is next to godliness, right? I'm grateful that they showed the way Cause I could never know the way to serve him on my own Be a clone So now I see the whole design My church is an assembly line The parts are there, I'm feeling fine I be a I've learned enough to stay up though But not so much, I rock the boat I'm glad they shoved it down my throat I
0: And that, of course, was I Want to Be a Clone from Steve Taylor, one of those guys that was always in the church's face. Of course, we had an interview with him back on our 12th episode. About a year ago, I was really pumped when the early metal band Striper contacted The Antidote about having an interview. And in March of this year, frontman Michael Sweet spoke to us about his defining song, Soldiers Under Command. To talk about your own music stripers produce a multitude of songs over the years would you ever choose a single track and say this song defines striper as a band
6: oh gosh yeah I would probably say in terms of old classic songs I'd probably say like songs like soldiers under command I mean that really clarifies who we are and what we've always set out to be in which is soldiers under command we're under God's command and we are soldiers going out there on the on the battle lines and and kicking down the gates of hell you know and and we have been for years we've taken a lot of heat for it um, we've come under fire but it hasn't stopped us and we see no signs of stopping uh, anytime in the near future so i think that song pretty much says it all uh right there soldiers under command it's one we play live every night every time we perform uh, it's of course on the second coming and uh... it's it's a classic
0: The music of Josh Dyes and Showbread was covered on episodes 51 and 52 of The Antidote. A really brilliant songwriter and musician, uh, Dyes likes to stretch musical boundaries with Showbread, such as on their following track after this interview segment, the song called You Were Born in a Prison. Back in 2007, you had said the average listener doesn't want to be taken on an adventure through all sorts of different lands. When it comes to music, they like to get comfortable and stay comfortable. What about today? Do you still want to keep your fans uncomfortable?
7: Oh yeah, like <laughs> you know, like there's two ways of looking at you know, our approach to music and art and all that thing. Because our bottom line has always been that we're going to make the record that we want to make and that we feel led to make. Um, it's not going to affect us. The audience's expectations will not be imposed on us to the point that it will change our direction the reason is it's not like an insensitivity towards the people who actually enjoy our music we feel like the people who like us appreciate us for that reason that um there's this true creative spirit for better or for worse and and at times people would certainly say it's for worse but that we're going to make the record that we want to make and i think a lot of people have you know and it's it's a totally fair uh, suspicion but have kind of read into that that like oh these guys are so arrogant and they're pretentious and they just they like get some kind of bizarre pleasure out of alienating their fans and they think that they're you know like uh we're so punk rock we don't even want people to like our own band <laughs> but it, it's really not that at all i think that there's something really fun and challenging about having a record that you can completely anticipate that it's it's entirely possible and maybe even likely that 50% of our listeners will hear this, and it'll be too much for them. But I want to be able to look back at our discography and say, like, good grief, like, one record can't really be compared effectively to the other record because it's almost not even the same genre. I like this effect of, oh, this band has a new record coming out. I want to hear it not be not just because I like the band, but because I have no idea what it might sound like. Um, there's bands that have a model that they stick to record to record to record and it totally works like you know acdc is always going to sound like acdc and they're never going to break formula and that's the thing that works for them and i wouldn't expect it any differently but then there are other bands and and i'd like to think that we're one of them that's like there's absolutely no telling what the next record might sound like and that's kind of the fun of it whether you like it or hate it there's no way to accurately predict (laughs) what it might sound like
0: The Sky's Revolt is tough to pigeonhole into a specific style or genre. Your sound has a more defined indie Danielson family electronic rock style. Does any specific style hold your main interest?
8: Not really. The, the idea is just to try to make something that's its own thing. I want it to be catchy. I want it to be something that people can make memories to and have fun with. But I don't want it to be a ripoff of anything else. I guess, you know, electronic music's kind of influenced it with all the synths and stuff like that. Then there's the more epic bands like Arcade Fire and Sigur that have more instrumental-type stuff going on in their music that have kind of influenced things. It's just a blend of a lot of different kind of music thrown together.
0: So it's trying to develop your own niche in the market.
8: Yeah, I want it to be its own thing. I don't want to have our album in a store with a sticker that says, you know, four fans of this band and this band, or read an article and say, well, it just sounds like they ripped off this band. I really want us to have our our own thing. I feel like a lot of music is just reproduced. Labels grab bands, they tell them to write this kind of song, and they reproduce it, and just, I feel like we still have room to be genuine, even though it feels like everything's been done at some point, there's still room to find that genuine thing, and it's taken us six years to try to To find a sound that's still likable and catchy and fun to listen to but still its own thing. It's not easy.
0: That was the unusual and awesome sound of the
9: sky's revolt with false glory and praise. Hey, this is Trevor with Thousand Foot Crutch, and you're listening to the 100th episode of The Antidote.
0: How do you balance your time? Obviously, with having TFK, FM static, you seem to mentor every other musician in almost the whole industry. And of course, you've got a family.
8: I, I wish I had the perfect answer for you there, man. I think it's it's a daily refocus. You just try your best, you know. And more than anything, I, I'm blessed to have an incredible wife, you know. And I definitely give her <laughs> so much credit in that area, you know. Uh, she's just unbelievable, and we uh, we're a good team, you know. We've kind of learned how we need to do this together. When you love what you do, you don't always see it as work, you know. So it's so easy when you get great opportunities to be like, "Yeah, I'll do that Sure, Let's, I'll do that for you know. I got two days here, I got one day there." Before you know it, you've just kind of you're working on all your days off the road, and so yeah, it's uh, it always gets complicated. But I think you know everybody's busy in life, and everybody has complicated schedules and things they have to juggle. It's just something you got to kind of daily refocus.
7: <laughs> I wish there was that
8: easy way to just this is what you do, but uh, still trying to find that.
0: I hear you. Yeah, my wife will comment on the same things: <laughs> overcommitment <laughs> sure. of spouses.
2: I hear you, man. Hey yo, here comes a danger up in this club. When we get started, man, we ain't gon' stop. We gon' turn it out till it gets too high. Everybody sing hey yo. Tell them turn it out till they can't no more. Let's get this thing shaking like a disco ball. This is your last one and a see seeker. When we get started, man, we ain't gon' stop We gon' turn it out till it gets too hot Everybody sing, hey yo Tell them turn it up till they can't no more Let's get this thing shaking like a disco ball This is your last one and I courtesy see Hey yo, oh, there comes a the danger up in this club When we get started, man, we ain't gon' stop We gon' turn it out till it gets too hot
0: Trevor McNeven with Thousand Foot Crutch and their song Courtesy Call. Now our next artist, he really taught me how to dig deeper during an interview. Listen to Michael Pritzel of The Violet Burning. So, do you feel that worship has its place in rock music?
6: I think, you know, some people refer to those things, uh, to prayers, as, as worship. You know, I'm, I don't know much about the uh, Christian industry, uh, you know, quite honestly. I mean, I have a little experience with it, but I have more experience with just attending church uh, regularly, you know, for a few decades. You know, I think that the great thing about rock music is that it speaks the language of our hearts uh, for all of us, whether that's a uh, protest song, you know, maybe someone will write a, a protest song about this situation in Canada. You know, we've watched people like Neil Young and Bob Dylan write protest songs through the years. But we've also watched those same great artists write songs. I mean, come on, the great Canadian artist Neil Young. Think about the great Canadian Leonard Cohen. He's written uh, some of the most beautiful prayers that I've ever read or heard sung. You know, like the song If It Be Your Will, you know, is a great example of just a wonderful prayer. And so I think that within the power of music... There's always going to be a natural expression of our hearts, of the hearts of, of men and women, and those things that are, that are deep within us. And I think that the story of our lives really touches on a lot of those things that we all face uh, through the journey of our lives.
0: till the end from the violet burning which is found on their incredible 37 song concept record the story of our lives you've been listening to a special two-hour extended edition of the antidote in our retrospective on the past 99 episodes now as always this program airs through the facilities of trent radio 92.7 fm c triple f peterborough really want to spend a moment just to thank some of the staff and volunteers here at Trent Radio who've always been supportive, positive and helpful and of course Jess who always makes sure that I don't break the radio on Wednesday nights my website developer Abram and Leah for her great graphics and thanks to all the listeners around the globe who tune in both online or by podcast and a special thanks go to Josh of Eastern Ohio who no longer thinks that I'm a tool. Next week is also going to be another special as we have a conversation with Five Iron Frenzy and check into songs from their new album, Engine of a Million Parts. So trust me, this will be a worth tuning in for, and you can find out what the kind of music is that Five Iron Frenzy is actually producing now. But it's just about time for me to head out. Got to go and grab a coffee. We do have another favorite artist of mine, Here's Paul Meany of Mute Math talking about his distant future, and we're going to finish the antidote with Mute Math's spotlight. So we're going to see you next week back at the regular time of nine o'clock. In 40 years, you'll be retired from the music scene, and you're going to have great grandkids on your lap since you mentioned about having a new little one in your household. How will you want the public to remember Mute Math?
9: Uh, I'm going to put it in a very unpoetic way. I hope that we can be a band that that you think of as, as the moment you begin to breathe out of both nostrils. <laughs> it can be as lofty and as unpoetic as that may be. People, hopefully, that hear the music or come to the shows, really, we're, we're just trying to create an environment and an atmosphere that's just exhilarating. And, and you just feel like you begin to get inspired and see things maybe you haven't seen before and smell things you haven't smelled before. And, you know, my favorite shows, my favorite bands have done that for me. If we can provide that for anyone, then it's well worth it. And I hope uh, us and the great-grandkids can have a nice high-five in the end. But I'm sure they'll be embarrassed. I mean, that's just the way it works, right? It's like, Dad, Granddaddy, can't believe you sang that. It's the only reason for having kids. It's so you can embarrass them at their weddings. When I had my little girl, the first time I held her in my arms, and I was tearing up, and I swear she opened her eyes... And she looked at me, and she rolled her eyes, and just went, "That's what I swear she did that." And you could just tell she was just thinking, "What a dork."